Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, Episode 10, Into the Woods. Have you seen Into the Woods in any of its various forms? I've seen the movie. Okay. Have you? I I know almost nothing about it. But this title is a reference to that musical, right? Yeah, this is is completely following the same plot as Into the Woods. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine if it was? Um, You know what we should say first off? This is not the first recap episode that our listeners are hearing from us because they would have listened to uh, Listening to Fear, which we recorded in 2022. But this is technically our first recording of 2023. And we're really excited. I feel rested. I feel relaxed. How do you feel? I feel good as well, but I did miss recording with you, so I'm glad we're back. Yeah, so much, so much. And we recorded a cute little bonus episode that our listeners won't hear for a while um, already. But yeah, happy 2023, everybody. And Car and I did not get to see each other over the holidays, as I'm sure a lot of you know already. And it was very sad for both of us. But actually, right before we started recording, my package arrived for Cara. So I got to watch her open her Christmas gift <laughs> live. <laughs> maybe maybe my gift for you will arrive by next week so you can open it. <laughs> can you time it just right so it'll arrive on a Thursday night? Uh, but no, so 2023 is really exciting. Obviously, we had a great year last year, but this year is going to be even bigger and better, but also different, right? Like we have an announcement to share. It, it's It's your... It's your news. Okay, okay, I was like, Car, you tell them. <laughs> um, okay, so the news is that I'm pregnant. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I mean, you've known for months and months and months. But <laughs> I'm just finding out about this. Yeah, I'm telling Kara <laughs> live on air. <laughs> no, no, Kara's but, known. Sorry, sorry, wait, Steph, I'm confused. Does this mean you cheated on Angel, <laughs> your boyfriend? Well, I mean, no. <laughs> it's obviously his. <laughs> that that doesn't make any sense, Steph. Vampires can't get pregnant. That wouldn't make any sense in the story whatsoever. Yeah, that would definitely be a storyline that uh, no one would expect or or <laughs> just based on the lore of you and I as well as Buffy. <laughs> but no, no, it, it is it is Seb's. Don't tell Angel. Uh, it is my husband's. Uh, we're very happy. And yes, Kara's known that she's going to be an auntie for quite a while now. But what does this mean? What does this mean for Prophecy Girls moving forward? So... Car and I have decided that we're going to do our very best, our very best to get all of season five completed before I pop, <laughs> right? What does that mean for our listeners? Well, really, as you know, we record two weeks in advance every episode. So over the next three months, because uh, the baby is due in uh, late March, we will be recording more 
as much as we can. We want to get through season five before we go on break. At an accelerated pace, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So instead of being two weeks in advance, our episodes are going to start coming out three to five. Like at one point, it'll probably be five or six weeks in advance if we can by the end of it. So that means that if anyone has a hot stake for a later episode in season five, which I know a lot of you do, you're still more than welcome to send it in ahead of time. That's always great. Or it's totally fine to just wait until you hear the episodes come out throughout March and April and send it in after you hear it because Car and I might do a little collection, right? We might, we might collect the ones that came in a couple months after we've recorded the actual episode and do a little bonus episode maybe. Something like that can be done before we get to season six. So you won't hear any difference in our recording schedule throughout March, April, and then May will probably be when we take a longer break, but you are so lucky, our listeners, because <laughs> we never do take a break, do we, Cara? We've got plans. <laughs> we always seem to have bonus episodes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we, we don't know exactly what the break and the bonus episodes or schedule will look like yet. So there'll be some weeks when you don't get an episode. There'll be some weeks when you get a bonus, but we're taking a break from recaps, but we will be back. We are not stopping at the end of season five. We are coming back for season six, for season seven. And who knows where after that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Steph needs a little bit of time to get herself back together after <laughs> dealing with childbirth. To heal. Uh, and I know we have a lot of uh, parents that listen. So I know they understand why a, a break will be much needed as soon as that baby comes out. But we're not forgetting about our listeners, um, so expect a break of some sort in May and June. Hopefully, we'll be back at some point, end of June, mid-June, sometime around there. That's the goal, but please bear with us as we figure out this new chapter in our lives. And I also think, you know what, Kara, I think it might be a good thing to take a little bit of a, little bit of a break before season six and just, you know, collect ourselves because season six is a heavy season, right? So maybe we what? need the time. Does something happen at the end of season five? No. <laughs> no. Just, just. Okay, good. Just uh, everything's roses and glitter over there. But uh, who knows? Maybe maybe we all just need to collect ourselves before we enter that season anyway. So that is the plan moving forward. It's going to be an exciting year. A year of big changes for everybody, especially my body. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we're going to let the quality of our episodes go at any point this year at all including this one because Kara, this is a huge episode i mean you've been recording the past couple of months of episodes with baby brain so <laughs> maybe they noticed i think we're doing a good job right <laughs> um yeah this episode is it good no 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 but is it better than the last two that we watched? I think so. I was more entertained in this one. Well, I feel like listening to Fear and Into the Woods form a very important duet in this season. They're both very key episodes that move the storyline ahead. What's interesting is there's no glory in this episode. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Or Ben. This, there, and there's no, like, like, there's vampires. But there's no, like supernatural threat in this episode this is an episode that is entirely about buffy dealing with her human life Mm -hmm. and what a shame (laughs) i mean i don't think that's the worst part of the episode i just i think i don't like you know what's going on with the whole spike thing still 
And I don't think Xander's very, like, I don't like Xander in this episode. And then, of course, you know, there is the breakup. <laughs> and yes. uh, I, let's, let's just get into it. What I will say right before we get into it is a return of Xander slander, always welcome in an episode. Mark Lucas, I will say, I think this is the, the best episode he's ever been in, in terms of his acting. Like, I think he did really well in this episode. And obviously, I'm going to be having a lot to say about the breakup and comparing it to the last big breakup we watched, not Willow and Oz's, uh, Buffy and Angels in season three. And everyone looks fantastic in this episode. Did you know, like Buffy's hair is so good in this episode. I was so envious. <laughs> she looks amazing. She looks great in every single shot. So yes, let's get into it. We start off at the hospital. Buffy and Riley are in the waiting room. Let's not forget that the last episode ended with Joyce being wheeled into her brain surgery. So Dawn's sleeping on her heads on Buffy's lap. Giles comes in and he offers them, you know, can I get you anything? They all say no. So he goes and sits. Everyone's sitting and everyone's in a mood. And Xander and Will are talking about the time. And we can assume that it's because the surgery's taking longer than what it was supposed to. So Buffy's kind of freaking out. She says to Riley, like, what's, what's taking so long? Riley says it doesn't mean anything, and he'd be more worried if the surgery was too quick because then that they couldn't do much in that case. And if anybody knows anything about surgery, it's Riley because he performs surgery on himself. <laughs> Riley is um, a self-designated self-surgeon, so he would know. The doctor comes out. Oh, here he comes. The doctor's walking down the down the hall. And this is when they cut to credits, like right there. I was like, what a weird <laughs> time to do it. He he says to Buffy, who who's so nervous and scared looking, he says, Joyce is in recovery. He had visualized the tumor completely, which means he got all of it. And he says, bearing any complications in recovery, Joyce is going to be fine. We're going to have to watch her very carefully and have her back for follow-ups. But the procedure was a complete success. Yeah! Yeah! Good for you, Joyce. So everyone's hugging. Everyone's relieved, except for Xander and Giles, who don't hug each other. It's very awkward how they're not going to touch each other because they're men and they're not gay. <laughs> so... Buffy squeezes the doctor so hard that she breaks his back and then he has to go to surgery. <laughs> Wait, what? Just my little fan fiction there. <laughs> that wasn't in my version of the episode. Oh, you must have skipped Are a scene. Are you putting fake things into your notes to see if I've actually watched the episode? Just seeing if you're paying attention to what I'm what I'm reading off here. Uh, you are. Good for you. Huh. <laughs> uh, at Xander's apartment, Xander and Anya are eating... Uh, what's the name of the... Is it Asian House? I believe it's Asian House, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're eating... Just a generic Asian restaurant. <laughs> the same one that Joyce goes to that Spike likes. They're eating with Dawn and they're wondering what they should do that night. Anya wants to play the game of life because remember in uh, Real Me, she kicked everyone's ass at the game of life and Xander wants to go see a, a movie and Dawn is saying she doesn't want to see anything sad, right? And Anya's really pushing because apparently there's a movie about a chimp that plays hockey. Xander says like, okay, well, we're celebrating Dawn's mom's good news. So Dawn should choose. And Dawn says, you don't have to make make a big deal for me. I'm only sleeping over here so Buffy and Riley can boink. <laughs> um, she says, alone time translates to get Dawn out of the house so that we can have a loud and obnoxious sex. Oh, so she remembers where the wild things are too. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting that the monks made sure Dawn <laughs> was aware of that episode? 
<laughs> even though she wasn't around. So my question, Kara, here, I was like, this is a cute scene, sure. I'm glad we got another, another shout out to the Asian community in Sunnydale. But why Xanders? Why wouldn't Dawn be sent to her friend across the street, Melinda? Or um, how about Willow or Tara? Like, it's it's interesting to me that, that she's sleeping at Xander's. Well, Willow and Tara live in dorms, right? So I kind of assumed that it would be frowned upon to smuggle a minor into a dorm room. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I was like, I just feel like Xander is a weird and choice. Maybe maybe Melinda's parents are out of town. I don't know. I'm just making up. Or, yeah, or maybe Xander's, like, apartment has an extra room or something. When Xander's the most responsible adult you can turn to in your life, something has gone horribly wrong. Well, I, this is where the episode really got off on the wrong foot for me, because I was like, what? <laughs> so... In the Summer's house, the mood is set, Kara. He went to Mark, the whiteboard guy, who sometimes sells candles on the side, and picked up all the candles that he has because it's romantic, the, it's dark, there's candles everywhere, and Buffy and Riley are dancing together. And the, uh, the song lyrics that they're dancing to say, it's been a while since you've been loved like you should be. And I was like, interesting. Okay. I, I have a question. Uh-huh. If... A parent or loved one of yours had literally just had surgery that day. Would you want to go home to your boyfriend putting the moves on you? Like, I get that he wants to help Buffy relax, but like, would you be in a sexy times mood after that? I mean, I can't say I wouldn't. I think it's the romantic aspect of it that I agree with you, where it's a little bit off, right? Like, now's not really the time to be having Valentine's Day. (laughs) when your mom is still yeah, recovering I, just, I, I feel yeah i feel like the tone is a little bit obtuse you know yeah. a little he's not quite aware of the mood and i think it would be better if it was more of like uh let's cuddle on the couch while we watch this movie about a chimp playing hockey yeah you're no i'm with you on that because yeah dancing to slow music amongst candles is definitely a vibe it's a mood that um definitely doesn't doesn't suit the celebration of Joyce's life. <laughs> so, um, but Buffy seems to be into it, right? She keeps saying like she wants this whole night on repeat. She feels so relaxed. All the tension left her body. And Riley's like, really? Because I had that scheduled for later on. And Buffy's like, are you planning on seducing me, Mr. Finn? Okay, she didn't say it like that. <laughs> it's the worst dialogue. I hate it. <laughs> I know. And Riley's like, always. And they kiss. That, wait, wait. That's not your Riley voice, Steph. Come on. <laughs> always <laughs> that's my <laughs> snape meets uh riley um <laughs> okay buffy with her half hair up here looks so youthful i was i was shot back to season one because she used to wear her hair like that all the time i'm like well she looks so cute here so riley wants tonight to be special for her that's probably why he was like oh candles oh darkness <laughs> <laughs> just like a vampire would <laughs> So she says it's perfect, right? And he says that she deserves it. She was incredible during this time. But he's like, not really. And Riley's like, don't sell yourself short. You stayed strong throughout, Buffy. You never even cried. And Buffy says, oh, I cried. I cried so hard. I didn't think I was going to stop. And then she rests her head on Riley's shoulder. And Riley, the look on his face is like, oh, (laughs) uh like i i love how he thinks she didn't cry this whole time like (laughs) how many how has this been like a couple months you think she's got a couple months without crying riley or or is he just talking about the last couple of days i just i'm very confused because not to be stereotypical but 
generally women cry a lot for a whole bunch oh, of reasons. I cry all the time. Um, Riley, yeah, I don't know. Poor Riley. Poor simple Riley. Gee, I was like, so poor simple Riley, poor himble Riley. But this is a good thing, Riley, because as much as you think that Buffy crying in front of you is the only way that she would ever be able to be emotionally available to you. Her telling you right now that she cried so hard she didn't think she could stop and then rests her head on your your shoulder, that's her opening up to you. That's her being vulnerable with you, you stupid man. <laughs> so it's just, not, it's just not in the way that he wants, and I think that's annoying. So Buffy says, uh, that's all in the past. Mom's out of the woods. Ooh. But I'm here with you, and that's all that matters. And they kiss again. That's interesting, right? Joyce is out of the woods, meaning Joyce is no longer in trouble. But who's into the woods this episode then, Kara? Who indeed? So they end up having roughy sex in Buffy's bedroom. And it's more graphic than the sex that we saw them, the roly-poly sex in Where the Wild Things Are. Okay, so I don't know what sex with a partner is like, but Buffy's face and the noise she's making does not seem appealing to me. (laughs) What I will say is that these two have never pulled off a sexy sex scene. I think she's supposed to be enjoying it. Like, they're obviously making love. They're slowly, Riley's slowly pumping into her. Too slowly. (laughs) It is very slow and sensual. It's Uh, geriatric. (laughs) It's like, yeah, a little... And that might be offensive to old people. But I don't know if he's allowed to go faster because, um, like I said, in Where the Wild Things Are, we saw them rolling around. We never saw him thrusting. Here we see his thrusting. I don't want to see him thrusting. (laughs) But I'm telling you, we're seeing the thrust and we never did before. And remember, we had that Harmony and Spike sex scene a few episodes ago where I was like, that's actually quite more graphic than we're used to as well. Season five is just like, give us the sex. Give us the the slow thrusts, the missionary slow slow thrusts. The, Riley does not have any rhythm. <laughs> Did you think he would? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, we're supposed to assume he's pretty good at the sex, right? Because Buffy seems fairly satisfied with him, but... I don't know. It's just that scene to me. I'm just looking at it. I, I guess this is what you would say when they don't have chemistry, right? Yeah, for sure. No, the, I agree. I don't think they do. They do have chemistry, which is why the, the sex scenes have always been stale. But I think what we're supposed mm. to garner from getting the thrusting plus Buffy's reaction to the thrusting is that Buffy's actually probably into it, right? She's she She likes that she has this guy to have sex with. We've always known that. And that's what makes it sad to me because Buffy doesn't know anything's wrong, right? Buffy's like, this is great. She deserves so much better. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. She deserves fast thrusts. (laughs) (laughs) But she, but like, she thinks that he's into it. And then what do we see right after they fall asleep? Riley gets up and and leaves, right? Because he's not satisfied, which is sad. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. So, so again, this is where I'm also confused where it's like, so was he satisfied but now what he's doing next is him like double dipping or is this a case of he doesn't enjoy it with Buffy anymore but he's going through the motions because he thinks this is going to please her but then he has to get his jolly somewhere else and that's what I think it is I think it's the latter because interesting I, I it's just it's not enough for, it's not enough passion for him it's not it's not enough to make him feel fulfilled as a man he says that more or less later in the episode, right? So I think he's like, I did this because I'm a boyfriend. I'm a good boy from a good guy. I'm a nice guy. And then as soon as she falls asleep, he gets up to go somewhere else, right? But before he does that, 
who is outside being the creepiest of creeps. Spike, of course, um, as he has been for the last little while. He's smoking a cigarette, and I don't think he can see them, but I think he can hear them having sex. I, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, Spike's got the super vamp hearing. He can hear Buffy making those moans. And he can probably hear Riley going like, yeah, or whatever it is Riley <laughs> yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh- <laughs> I think Buffy needs to install one of those like little cigarette butt disposal units outside of her house <laughs> like in the tree or something there must be a fairly large pile of cigarette butts Ugh. gathered there at this point absolutely because spike is so fucking creepy and like i this is not new to our listeners like it's been weeks now of me being like ugh. but the thing is for anybody out there who wants us to start laying off spike who are like you know what you're way too harsh on him not gonna happen it's not gonna well it's not gonna happen but here is I'm throwing you a bone right now, because if I were to be generous to Spike, I would say, no, he's not so much standing out there listening to Buffy having sex with her cornbread boyfriend. He's actually just missing Joyce. (laughs) So he goes outside to wait and think about the true love of his life, which is Joyce Summers, and wonders (laughs) when she will be home. Because that used to be their meetup spot, right? Outside the tree, where they would bang and then he'd have a smoke. So Spike does follow Riley to wherever he goes that night. The next day at the hospital, oh, and I love this scene. Joyce is looking at her cut on her head. Joyce is sitting up. Joyce looks great. Joyce looks amazing for someone who just had brain surgery. (laughs) Buffy is there and Joyce is being apprehensive about wearing a wig because she's going to have a little bald spot and she would rather wear a scarf. And Buffy is like, wigs are fun. We could get you a bunch of different ones. You could be like a 60s mom, an action mom, French maid mom. And I was like, yes, Buffy. Wigs are so fun. Like, they're so fun. And Joyce is like, oh, I must be getting better because you're making fun of me. Joyce says that she knows that Buffy's been missing school. And Buffy assures her that she'll make it through the semester. And Joyce says, well, what about slaying and your friends? I want you to have your life back. And Buffy's like, well, right now I'd rather be here styling your beautiful new plastic dream hair. (laughs) And Joyce is like, you don't have to keep me company all night. Go out, have fun, get Riley to take you to the movies. Uh, maybe the the chimp and hockey movie. <laughs> Why does everybody want to go to the movies? I <laughs> What's with the writers this week? Did they? Was there a good movie out this week? Um, Buffy says she gave Riley the day off, and Joyce is like, "I don't think he thinks of you as a chore." And Buffy's like, "No, I know that, but I I told him to make plans with his friends because I wanted to have you all to myself." Do you see my note here, Kara? I'm like, what friends? <laughs> I had a similar thought. The boys he plays hoops with. Xander? At the gym. (laughs) Who? What friends, Buffy? Do you know this man at all? Buffy says, I can see him anytime. I'm sure he'll come over later looking for a little uh, Bible study. (laughs) I I like how she maintains this fiction. Joyce knows that she... Joyce knows that Buffy and Riley are having sex. Like, Joyce understands that her daughter is sexually active but i think it's cute that they've kind of agreed that they're not going to talk about it joyce has let riley sleep over at the house (laughs) that we've noticed at the beginning of the season joyce is a cool mom joyce is the coolest mom and then she's like i don't care if he sleeps over i'm outside banging that bleach blonde vampire (laughs) so (laughs) joyce says good just as long as you two are spending quality time with the lord (laughs) i mean there was a lot of oh god in the previous scene, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so 
this is the last time we see Joyce in this episode. And Kara, like, why? This is where I think the episode made a mistake. Like, I get that it's going to be about Ruffy. But Joyce... Where's our Joyce and Dawn scene? Right, like, Joyce just got out of her brain surgery. Then the surgeon's like, she's good. And that's it. Like, that's it. They're just going to wrap up that storyline just like that, I guess. But, um... It's not enough. I was like, we need we need Joyce's recovery in the hospital. Come on. So we cut to Graham. Uh, <laughs> looks like they're in a hotel room. They've got maps and equipment strewn about. He's with his army boys, and they're they're talking about something breeding in Belize, which is a country in South America. So the commander's like, okay, let's get ready to pack up and go. So they they they're still in Sunnydale from the previous episode right uh and graham asks he's like what about riley uh he says we want him on the team but it'll take a little convincing and the commander's like what's he got in sunnydale that's so special (laughs) this is an interesting scene to me because it's like so you can just invite riley back (laughs) like didn't he get fired (laughs) like i know (laughs) he, he thinks he quit but this is one of those things where it's like he he got an honorable discharge, Kara. <laughs> They're just like, well, we can't leave without Riley. <laughs> Maybe because he helped with the alien. He helped with the the, the cockroach alien <laughs> in the last episode. So they're like, oh, well, he's useful to us. You know what? That's something that Riley has in Sunnydale that he cannot leave. It's naked Buffy sleeping in bed. I assume she's naked because she's home alone for one. But two, like she's waiting for Riley to come over. But also, where's Dawn? Is Dawn still at Xander's two nights later? Do we see Dawn again in the episode? No! <laughs> I think they forgot about Dawn. They definitely did because she's not here. Um, so anyway, someone comes into Buffy's room and it's fucking Spike. And Buffy sits up and she's like, every time you show up like this, you risk all your parts. You know that? And Spike's like, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a good reason. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, as usual, I'm here to help you. Are you naked under there? And Buffy's like, get out. You broke into Buffy's room. Like, she's allowed to be naked if she wants. Why are you so shocked? Well, it's because he's so perverted, right? So he's just, he ignores her when she says, get out. So he says, so she says, get out or I'll drop you out head first. And Spike says, I want to show you something. You need to see this, but we need to move if you want to get there in time. And Buffy sighs and gives him this look, like, turn around. And he's like, oh, please. Like, I'd give a bloody damn. But he turns around and clearly, Kara, he gives a bloody damn. (laughs) Yes. Which, again, don't get it. What is, why, why, why is this such a big deal, Spike? Just. Like, does he not know you can just go on the internet and find (laughs) pictures of naked women? (laughs) Uh, it's because of, I guess because specifically it's Buffy, right? So he's just like, oh, I've been thinking about this. Like I've been smelling her clothes. I've been looking at pictures of her, but like she's actually naked right there, and I could come over there and take her if I wanted to, but uh, I can't. You know what I mean? Huh. Um, my thing was like, do we think that he's pulling a Xander and looking at the mirror as she changes behind him? Sorry, I just had this weird thought of like, can va- can vampires use mirrors? Which I know they can. I they don't show up in mirrors. And then I'm like, does that make sense that they can see things in mirrors, but they themselves can't be seen in mirrors? And I know this has nothing to do with this scene at all. Random thought. Remember what we learned from Dracula um, when we watched the movie and I did my research that if you don't have a soul, your reflection is not shown. But like, you know, Buffy's bed would be shown because it it's a, doesn't have. Well, actually, it doesn't have a soul either. So maybe they can't. <laughs> Why can we see beds in mirrors? <laughs> I don't like. I do, maybe he can see naked Buffy just because she's the only thing in there with a soul. 
<laughs> very strange. This is a very bizarre form of x-ray vision somebody has. <laughs> very, very strange. I see naked people. Um, right. Okay. So Spike ends up bringing Buffy into a house of sin, <laughs> is what Steph wrote in her notes. Um, so it's like a flop house, basically. Mm. So we see vampires feeding off of humans, lying on couches. Others are just kind of hanging around in a daze. I'm guessing there's probably drugs there as well. You know, it, it, it's a den of iniquity is how what I would call it. It's that um, <laughs> ER doctor's worst nightmare. <laughs> are all you vampires doing drugs? <laughs> He's probably on the payroll. Let's be real. <laughs> Sunnydale Hospital doesn't pay him enough. Corrupt. <laughs> um, so... Spike warns Buffy, he's like, don't start slaying now. Don't get your slay on. Uh, he's like, that's not what we're here for. Um, so he wants her to go upstairs and a vampire tries to stop them. Stop them. He grabs Spike and he's like, hey, you're not allowed to be here. So Spike hits the vampire, punches him in the face. Um, and then they go upstairs. And Buffy is kind of understandably disturbed by everything that she's seeing here. And then they go into a room upstairs and there's a female vampire feeding off of riley's arm and riley is looking at the vampire so he doesn't notice spike and buffy coming inside remember right this is like the night after riley and buffy just had their incredible sex or whatever <laughs> and riley says harder <laughs> and this is too much for buffy so she just makes a little noise of shock and disgust i guess uh riley looks up what does he say steph buffy <laughs> <laughs> so intelligent riley um so buffy of course can't handle this she nopes out riley then shouts buffy <laughs> knocks away the vampire that's feeding off of him uh spike's like oh well we only came here because we care about you you need help uh but he's you know he's clearly stirring the pot gloating. spike is the lisa rinna of the sunnydale gang like if we had like real housewives of sunnydale mm -hmm. he's just stirring the pot oh yeah you know he's just talking to everybody and gossiping and it's never his fault if you ask him he's always just one telling the truth but he's getting off on just like making sure everybody knows everybody else's business mm -hmm. yeah one of the vampires is trying to stop buffy which like why wait don't go <laughs> she throws him against the wall runs outside stops right because she's just seen vampires feeding off of humans gross vampire feeding off her boyfriend extra gross <laughs> and she owes this intel to spike super gross so spike's, spike's like oh i thought you should know right he's all magnanimous he's like i did you a favor and he's clearly expecting cookies because yeah. this is the pathetic thing about spike is since fool for love and her whole you're beneath me comment so he's admitted that he's now into Buffy. He's obsessed with her. And I think that he's determined to get Buffy to admit that she wants or needs him in some way. And this is his latest scheme to do so. Buffy's only response is to stare Spike down. Uh, and then she leaves. She runs. She runs away. She can't handle it. And I, I completely understand. Riley, of course, uh, is trying to follow Buffy he gets stopped by the vampire who tried to stop Buffy. Does not throw this vampire across the room like Buffy did. Mm -hmm. uh, the vampire says, you brought the Slayer. Nobody's going to come here now. So he's mad that Riley has endangered his livelihood, which I think makes total sense. 
But again, what were you thinking letting the boyfriend of the Slayer crash at your flophouse, dude? Like, do you not know <laughs> he's Buffy's boyfriend? This is a small town. I don't think this is a very smart business person. He didn't do his background checks, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so the scene ends with Buffy going back to her room at home. She's in shock. She does not know how to deal. And fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what do you think about Spike telling Buffy? Oh, he wants cookie. He wants co- This is entirely out of self-interest. He, yeah. And if you ask him, he might pretend that he's justifying it as, oh, I actually do care about Buffy. I think it's good that he told Buffy because Buffy needed to know this. Mm-hmm. So... It's one of those things where it's like, the fact that Spike knew it, I think he should have told her, right? I don't know how you feel about this stuff, but I I feel like if somebody, like, it's different if you're just suspicious that somebody's cheating on your friend, but if I had, like, incontrovertible proof that somebody was cheating on my friend, I would feel obligated to tell them. So I think that Spike has an obligation to tell Buffy if they are indeed friends, I don't think that's how he sees it. I think that's how he thinks he sees it. But I think that really this is, you know, he's just... There's an ulterior He's emerged. run the... Yeah, he's done the calculations because he's got the... It's the psychopath, right? Because he doesn't have that empathy. So a psychopath would weigh the options. If he thought he could get more out of this situation by not telling Buffy and, I don't know, uh, exploiting Riley in some way, like extorting money from him, he would do that instead. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's what I'm trying to say, right? That's the difference is Spike's not doing this because he cares for Buffy. That's just the reason he's professing. He's doing it because he's done the math in his head and he thinks this is the best course of action for him to get in Buffy's pants. And to get Riley out of the picture. So like two in one, two birds, one stone. Um, My two points about this, one is completely agreeing with you. I think that, yes, it's good that Spike told Buffy. But because we know it's in his own self-interest, it's not like Willow telling Buffy that Riley cheated and I'm telling you this because I care about you and I'm worried about you. Spike's only worried about himself here. So that's the difference. The other thing I I noticed, though, because we've been talking since Fool for Love about the alliance between Buffy and Spike and how my suspicion in that last scene when she let him sit with her, it's not just because, you know, she's just tired and doesn't have the energy to tell him to go away when she knows he won't. But, um... Perhaps she's starting to trust him a little bit. Uh, And then here, I think that solidifies my thought because he's just like, I need to show you something. It's like the middle of the night, right? I need you to get up. You're naked in bed. I need you to get up and come with me to a place I'm not going to tell you. And even on the outside and on her way in, it looks really suspicious, but she still follows him. Right. So she was putting herself in a lot of danger, really, because Spike cannot be trusted. I don't know. I feel like at this point, based on what we saw in Fool for Love, Spike basically, Buffy basically sees Spike as a neutered puppy at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think she thinks Spike has the guile anymore or the drive to do anything to seriously hurt her. Because this is a good thing that you brought up. I was thinking about this when I watched the episode. So Spike can't directly hurt Buffy. But the thing about the logic of the chip in his brain is it's like, how far does that intentionality go? It's like, what if Spike constructed like an elaborate Rube Goldberg trap for Buffy? Think like the coyote and Roadrunner. Yeah. Right? Like 
would the chip stop him from starting to build the trap because it knows that it will eventually hurt Buffy? Like, <laughs> Spike could pay somebody. He could hire demons to try to take out Buffy. He doesn't do any of those things. So I feel like at this point, Buffy's like, and this is why she doesn't kill Spike, despite me constantly telling her that she should. Yeah. Um, I think at this point, Buffy's like, okay, well, Spike's in my bedroom. He's going to keep hassling me while I'm naked. Either I stake him or I play along and... Maybe she's hoping she's going to get some good slayage out of it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's a, a bunch of reasons why she would go with him. I just think it's interesting that she did it all, right? Because we know just from last season that, yeah, he, he's still a threat, even though he can't physically do anything about it. So Riley doesn't go after Buffy. He goes home to his gym apartment. And oh my God, <laughs> Car, this made me laugh. The army boys are there. <laughs> I was like, what time is it? Were they just going to stand there all night hoping he would come in? Like, he could have been patrolling. He could have been sleeping at Maybe puppies. they were getting a workout in. Maybe this is a 24-hour-7 <laughs> gym. And they just did a workout. And they're like, then we're going to go wait at his place. Night workouts. Nice. Me and the boys. Um, <laughs> that's probably exactly it. Because they're all just standing there. I was like, if it's like 3 a.m., what? Like, how long were you guys? Do you have a magazine? Like, how long are you going to wait for him? Riley's like, get out. I'm not in the mood for talking. And the commander's like, then listen, if you don't like what we have to say, like, we'll be on our way. But we have code one and Belize. A demon tribe is taking apart missionaries in the rainforest down there. We're going down to terminate their operation. Want you to join us. <laughs> and Riley's like, I'm a civilian. I quit the army. Uh, I know he says, sorry. I quit the government a long time ago. A long way back. Kark, did you wish you could just quit the government? <laughs> Some people Every try. damn day. <laughs> yeah, like, can we quit the government? Um, the commander says, we're not government. We're army. <laughs> like, potato, potato. Uh, oh, oh, okay, then. <laughs> you showed me. Um, Graham's like, just like you. And commander says, we're not the initiative, Finn. We don't do experiments. None of us give a damn what makes monsters tick. We just want to stop them. Riley's like, what do you need me for? And Commander says, I think you can handle yourself and I always need bodies. It's the real deal. High risk, low pay, seriously messy. We ship out for Central America tomorrow at midnight. Maybe civilian life is working out for you. Maybe not. Midnight tomorrow, decisions yours. You notice, Car, he doesn't say a location. He just says midnight. It's very vague. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming Graham's going to hook Riley up with the deets. My question here is why does the U.S. Army care about a demon tribe in Belize? They're not the government, Kara. <laughs> they don't care. Like, this is this is the thing, right? Is it, It's like, what benefit does the American state or government, you know, get from using army resources to kill off some demons in Belize? I'm just very curious about, I, I just feel like, obviously the writers just needed an excuse to get Riley out of Sunnydale, but it's like, we haven't heard of this happening in the past. And so you had the initiative, which was the research arm. And then clearly the army has like a demon fighting task force or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why? Maybe it's like um, a sequel to the movie Predators or something. Like something more <laughs> like that is happening in the background. More space stuff. Um, let's cut to the magic shop. We haven't seen the Scoobies all day. Uh, Giles is putting up a holiday sign. So the, clearly this episode came out around Christmas time. The, the sign says Christmas, Hanukkah, winter solstice, Kwanzaa, and something called Gurnathar's Ascendance. So Anya is saying that they ordered too many chicken feet and maybe they can do a holiday promotion, one free with every purchase. 
And Giles and Willow mock her for this. And Anya says, oh, that's very hilarious. Make fun of the ex-demon. I can just hear you in private. I just like that Anya. She's newly human and strangely literal. And Willow says, I don't say that. No one says that. No one talks that way. And Anya says, there's nothing wrong with my idea anyway. I've been very good at, for the store. If it wasn't for me, Giles would be terrifi- a terrified old man staring at quarterly tax statements and wetting himself. And Willow says, well, you've helped a lot, but I have too. And Anya's like, oh, yes, I forgot all about the vigorous sitting around. Meow. <laughs> like, once again, we're seeing Willow and Anya like deliberately going at each other. I'm actually really glad that Anya's standing up for herself. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I just think it's interesting to me. I think we've talked about this a little bit before, so I won't belabor the point. But like, since the show wrote Cordy out, Anya's kind of taking Cordy's place as the antagonistic woman in Willow's life, right? And it's almost like this trope of how society's always pitting successful women against each other. Mm-hmm. It's like Willow and Anya are are fighting with each other. Why? And and don't tell me it's just because they're both obsessed with Xander. He's not that great. And Willow hasn't been obsessed with Xander in a very long time. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And we definitely talked about that before, about like how the show likes to do that dynamic with the female character sometimes. They think it's necessary. (laughs) I don't know. So xander steps up and says anya you can back off a little you get paid willow's doing this on her own time and anya's like oh i'm sorry willow thank you for taking the time in your busy life to come here and get in the way of mine and xander again says anya play nice and anya's like okay fine take her side over mine even though i'm the one who sleeps with you and feeds you and bathes you (laughs) and willow's like she bathes you and xander's like no no like in an erotic way not in a spongy bathy geriatric way and Jazz is like, oh, play, please stop. I beg you. Oh, Xander, Xander, Xander. As always, a lot of this is covered by my favorite maxim. Shut up, Xander. <laughs> Shut up, Xander. Just stop talking. <laughs> I like the scene, though. I do like the scene between the Scoobies. I think it's funny. Buffy enters. She's on a mission. She needs to find out everything she can on this vampire nest where people are paying vampires to bite them. Anya says that this has been going on for centuries. Humans hire vampires to feed off them. They get off on the rush. And Giles says, the da- the, yeah, the danger, the hazards of the underworld can become addicted, addicting to some people. And I was like, that's a throwback to the Dark Age in season two, where we found out that Giles himself used to be addicted to dark magic. So Xander wonders why the vampires didn't just kill them. And Anya says, well, because they get cash, hot and cold, running blood, and they don't leave any corpses behind so they don't get hunted. And Giles is like, it's still pretty dangerous for a human. People can die accidentally or meet a vampire who only pretends to play by the house rules. So I find this storyline very fascinating. I don't think the show, as it normally does, it doesn't give a lot of attention to it. But I don't think a storyline like this, where, where like the parallels are to like, the crack house or like heroin addiction maybe or even um sex work um a brothel house there's a lot of different parallels here and i don't think the show would have delved into this before i think it was waiting for a more mature season like this one before they touched yeah I, I think this plot would have been really like difficult to pull off while they were still in high school <laughs> yeah so i think that this adds to what i was saying earlier like the sex scenes are grittier this season but a storyline like this which is going to be used as a backdrop. Um, it's also grittier. It's also darker. And um, 
they're taking a very conservative approach to it, I think, in a lot of ways, right? Because we have, oh, sorry. So later, because when Buffy like to ask Giles why he didn't say anything about it, Giles says, uh, well, I've known about this since his Ripper days. I probably wouldn't have told you about it if I'd known it was in Sunnydale because it's not where your efforts are best spent. You should focus on more ambiguous evil like glory. And Buffy says, people are dying. And Giles says, well, they're willing victims. There are people out there who deserve your help who aren't. And Buffy says, vampires are vampires. My job description is pretty clear. Are you coming or not? Xana tries to tell her, like, what's the rush? Why can't we just wait for Riley? And Buffy gets serious. And she's like, we're going. So they all go. Anya wishes them well. Um, but when I say it's like a conservative touch here, Carl, like, did you sense that? Where, like, on one hand, Giles is saying, these people made their choices. We don't need to worry about these people because they're doing bad things. And I think that's like a, a big parallel to people who do have addiction or the way that they're it's like well they put themselves in that position so we're gonna put our focuses elsewhere to people who actually need our help that's a really interesting point i agree with you i don't know that i would have used those words the way i was seeing it was it's a very cynical thing for giles to say it's one of those examples of the difference between giles and buffy both of them fight the supernatural and evil Giles, partly because of his age and his upbringing as a watcher, um, he has a much more pragmatic view of the world. You know, he's always known that there are these ambiguous situations where, you know, humans work with demons, that kind of thing. Whereas Buffy's view of good and evil has always been more black and white. And she has taken on a lot more flexibility over the years thanks to what she's experienced but this has been one of the essential differences between her and giles and i think we're going to continue to see that as the series goes on whether or not buffy takes on more of a moral grayness will be interesting to see but i think that's what that's where she comes into this conflict with giles so that was kind of the approach i was coming from was you know buffy is shocked by this because of her innocence and her her goodness and her sense of like black and white moral clarity, whereas Giles is unfazed because he's just like, yeah, this happens and it's just a you know it's an evil, but it's not something we can really deal with. Mm -hmm. So uh, your way of looking at it, I think, is very similar. Um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, another reason why I'm actually intrigued about the next couple seasons, obviously, because again, this is like you're saying, a very morally gray kind of argument to have, one that we wouldn't have seen in the more innocent days of the show, just like we wouldn't have seen a storyline like this in the in the more innocent days. So the Scoobies go to the nest, and it's empty. They all cleared out. And Giles is like, well, they're going to want to tr try to keep a low profile for a bit. And Buffy wants to find them, and Xander and Willow are reassuring her, right? They're like, don't worry about it. But Buffy lights the house on fire she has had enough and the scoobies are surprised that she went this intensely i am sure this act of arson will be blamed on an innocent white boy gang <laughs> justice for them <laughs> so okay so this next scene is my favorite in the episode i think a spily romance is <laughs> a bruin but it's no it's my favorite because i just think that as much as I'm going to have a lot to say about it, and you and I will pick it apart, I'm sure. I like it because I just think that Spike and 
like James Marsters and Mark Lucas do a really good job and they bounce off each other because we've said it before. Spike has chemistry with everybody, even Riley. And um, I think they work. The dynamic is good here for the scene itself. But what they say, we will be dissecting. Spike's in his crypt. He's drinking all by himself because he has no friends and I don't care. (laughs) Um, Riley storms into the crypt and Spike's response is to be sarcastic. And Riley's like, nah, I'm not having it. He throws Spike up against a wall. Spike's like, be reasonable. Riley punches Spike and says, you may have noticed, Spike, I left reasonable three. Sorry, I can't do the Riley voice. Can you do it? You, you may have noticed, Spike, I left reasonable about three exits back. All right, Riley, with your analogies. <laughs> Spike says, I'm not the one who got you into this. Don't kill the messenger. Uh, Riley pulls out a stake just like he 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 stakes Spike yeah. but he clearly has missed the heart no it's right through the heart and then he's like why the hell not I'm so impressed so I, I think he did stab him in the heart right but we find out right after that that it's a fake stake or something why does he even have that I don't I don't know I don't 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 ask me but um I honestly thought he staked him there for a second, and I was like, nice. <laughs> He's the only one <laughs> in the show who's had the nerve, the, the guts. That would be quite a way for Spike to end. <laughs> oh, I kind of wish. Killed, not even by Angel, killed by the rebound boyfriend. <laughs> so, so Riley's like, don't think I don't know what's going on with you, Spike. Stay away from her, or I'll do this for real next time. So he's trying to be all friends. It's cute. It's really cute. (laughs) So Riley goes to leave and Spike's laughing at him. And he's like, you're really under it, aren't you? Look at you. All afraid I'm hot for your honey. Honey. (laughs) Which, again, yes, that word. We don't need that word, do we? (laughs) Never again. Uh, And Riley's like, well, you are. It's not wrong. (laughs) Spike's like, yeah, (laughs) but that's not your problem. Uh, Even if I wasn't in the picture, you'd never be able to hold on to her. So Riley, like, ugh. I hate saying this. Put <laughs> say it. <laughs> Riley puts his fingers in Spike's wound. <laughs> he sure does. He sticks them right in there. Um, but remember, Riley's a, Riley's a heart surgeon, so he knows what to do. <laughs> oh, God. And Spike's like, you're not the long haul guy, and you know it. You know it, or else you wouldn't be getting suck jobs. <laughs> From two bit vampire troll. Is this what we're calling them? Suck jobs. Suck jobs. I don't like that. Ooh, I love I don't it. Don't like that. I'm gonna use it from now on. Oh no! So, <laughs> just so we're clear, right? The, the bite sex earlier was not sexy. That's just a suck job. Oh, that would be what a suck job would be. Oh, yeah. That's a oh. suck jobs are not sexy. <laughs> bite sex is. Why do they call them blow jobs? Don't answer that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway. <laughs> right in. Um, right in and tell us why they call it blowjobs. No, I don't don't care. Um, I'm just thinking about words for things. And it, just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so Riley, let's go of Spike. And Spike's like, girl needs some monster in her man. That's not in your nature, no matter how low you try to go. So he's baiting Riley at this point. Okay, but does she... Spike keeps saying that, that she needs darkness. She needs a monster in her life. And I just hate that he keeps saying that because no, she does not. Yeah, like, does she need that? Is that true? Or is he just saying that because he wants it to be true? Yeah, that's exactly it. But like, obviously, Riley's going to buy it because he's, you know, not smart. But um, as a viewer and as someone who loves Buffy, I would say like she actually doesn't want a monster. She deserves someone who compliments her lifestyle, right? 
and isn't a deeply insecure man-child. But do you think Buffy sees it that way? Because I'm thinking back to like Owen and how like she tried to date a normal guy and it really didn't work for her. She barely tried to date him. <laughs> okay, but like she's 19. She's 19, right? Like, I mean, she hasn't had a lot of opportunity to find I other just, men. I, f- I feel, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, just, I, I feel like Buffy might also be feeling like she needs the darkness right now, too. Right now, especially in this season, because we're exploring the dark side of the Slayer, right? And what it means and right. all that stuff. So as part of a theme this season, yeah, I can I can take your point and be like, yeah, perhaps she does need a little bit more darkness or needs to explore that for a while. But the way Spike so adamantly always says, like, she needs some monsters. She loves vampires. No, Spike. <laughs> you wish. Also, can can Spike and Riley stop assuming what Buffy's feeling? Like, the two of them just talk about Buffy nonstop the last couple episodes. Uh, none of you actually have any clue, right? You're just making assumptions based on your own deflated egos. Riley, go talk to your girlfriend, not Spike. Again, I don't think Spike cares if he's telling the truth. I think he's trying to manipulate Riley here, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Riley, I don't think Riley's thinking about what Buffy needs here either. He's thinking about what he needs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, go, go talk but to her. But it's interesting to me that Riley came here to confront Spike because he's too much of a coward to go talk to Buffy. <laughs> Just go talk to Buffy. <sighs> so Spike sits back down. <laughs> You know, Riley's like taking a moment to process because he's, you know, takes some some time to think things through. And Spike's drinking. And Riley's like, do you actually think you have a shot with her? And Spike's like, nope. Fella's got to try, though. Got to do what he can. And I'm like, does he, though? (laughs) Do you? Riley says, well, if you touched her, you know I'd kill you for real. Riley, just kill him for real. All right? Don't just talk the talk. Walk the walk, okay? Also, Buffy doesn't need you to protect her, Riley. (sighs) So Spike says, if I had this chip out of my head, I'd have killed you long ago. And he throws the bottle that he's drinking to Riley and says, ain't love grand. So Riley sits and starts having a drink with Spike. Riley, you got 24 hours to go talk to Buffy and work shit out. What are you doing here? (laughs) Go. And Spike says, sometimes I envy you so much it chokes me. Sometimes I think I got the better deal. To be that close to her and not have her, to be all alone, even when you're holding her, feeling her beneath you, surrounding you, the scent. (sighs) No, you got the better deal. And Riley's like, yeah, I'm the lucky guy. I'm the guy. I just I think so I know that this scene is supposed to be funny and it's like oh you know look at these two enemies sharing a beer and you know bitches be crazy right like yeah yeah it's supposed this is supposed to be a funny scene this is a very Joss weeded scene of like you expect them to throw down and now they end up commiserating and I I understand that it's supposed to be appealing but I can't in this scene because I think this is emblematic of Riley's immaturity, right? Riley is what? In his early 20s? He's a couple of years older than Buffy? Yeah, I would say like 23, 24 maybe. Yeah, and I'll, I'll come back to this later in the episode. I, I know that I'm coming at this from the perspective of a 33-year-old. Maybe in my 20s, I wouldn't have been this mature either. But it's like, Riley knows he's done something really bad. And him coming here to talk to Spike, to confront Spike, ultimately to have a drink with Spike, is his way of avoiding the problem. 
But I also think he's looking for somebody else to blame, right? Like, I understand where his behavior is coming from. I just, it doesn't make me think better of Riley because Riley has positioned himself as this good, upstanding guy, right? He is the all-American, red-blooded dude, if you will. And this is how he deals with him doing something wrong. And it makes me really disappointed. I feel you on that. And like when I say this is my favorite scene, it's just purely for the acting, for like the two boys together. I like it. But I'm there with you. What they're doing here, these two toxic men just, you know, commiserating over Buffy and how she's unattainable to both of them. It really does solidify, okay, well, you neither of you do deserve her because none of you can grow up. Also, like S- Spike's <laughs> comment on the scent of her really got under my skin because he's been fucking sniffing her panties for like a couple weeks now or like a week or so now. Fucking gross. Yeah, I don't know. I Like what you said just kind of makes me think about how people in the fandom love comparing spike and angel together right they like doing that comparison i don't i don't understand spike looks nothing like angel they have very different (laughs) hair colors it's quite easy for me to tell them apart that's good that's good so you don't join these conversations i know but um they should be comparing spike and riley together they have way more common in common it makes more sense these two toxic men both of them don't deserve buffy both of them drinking sadly alone together in their crypt because they both dedicated their entire personalities and ambitions to women who don't need them. Ooh, burn. Yeah. Spike did it with Drusilla first, and now he's doing it with Buffy. And Riley did it with Buffy this season. So both of you, like, pfft. okay, I hope you stay in that crypt for yeah, the rest like, of the day. Yeah, like Riley has no life, right? Which is, <laughs> yeah, you know. neither of them do. That's the whole point of this episode, is us being reminded that Riley has no life outside of Buffy, and he should probably leave. (laughs) Right? Like, the fact that he's in this crypt drinking with this vampire that he supposedly hates, rather than spending his last day with Buffy, says everything. (laughs) So, let's get out of here. (laughs) Buffy is taking her frustrations out on a punching bag, just like we need to, um, at the magic shop. Anya and Xander are talking about her being back there. Xander's concerned for her. Or is he? I guess we'll get into that soon. Um, Riley comes in and asks him if he can have a moment with Buffy alone. Uh, Anya thinks they're going to go back there to boink. (laughs) Um, But they're not. Uh, As they leave, uh, she asks Xander if he wants to boink, basically. And Xander says he's got stuff to take care of. And he just leaves her there, like looking sad. Okay. So here it is, Kara. Here's this very long... Wordy scene. All right, I'm, I'm going to do some stretching. Yeah, can you stretch? I'm going to stand up. <laughs> oh, shit. It's getting real. <laughs> I haven't stood up since the cheating scandal of season three. That's not true. I'm going to stand up. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Riley comes in and he says, I need to talk to you. And Buffy keeps punching the bag. She says, I'm not ready to talk to you yet. And Riley says, too bad. Buffy says, I'm serious unless you want to fight. And Riley says, so let's fight. We need to have this out now, Buffy. And the thing is, at first, Kara, when he first came in and said this, I was like, oh, good for him. He's forcing the conversation. But when you think about it, you're like, wait, he's doing this now? He could have did this before lunch? He could have did this like at any time today. Well, he he knows he's on a deadline. Buffy doesn't know that, right? That's what I'm saying. So like, ooh, ooh. He's already starting off on bad footing here. So Buffy says, okay, what? Like, what do you want me to say? What were you thinking? How long have you been lying to me? Nothing you say right now is going to make this better. And Riley grabs her. I know. And he says, I just need you to hear me out. And she's like, fine, get your hand off me. 
Mm, good job, Buffy. So he does, slowly. And Riley says, I think when this thing started, it was just some stupid immature game. I wanted to even the score after you let Dracula bite you. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Dracula hypnotized Buffy. Dracula assaulted Buffy. <sighs> This hurt my soul because just as you said, Cara, and we pointed that out in that episode that like it's bite sex, sure. So we're going to talk about that first. But then we're like, it's rapey. It's rapey. Not sexy. It's not <laughs> sexy. Um, Buffy didn't have control over herself. And the show is glossing over that fact and sees it as cheating. Just as Buffy saw Riley cheating when he slept with Faith in Buffy's body and the show glossed over it. Same yes. thing. Yes, and, and yeah, I think we were we were hard on Buffy for that. Now we can be hard on Riley for having this the alternative facts version right here. <laughs> and also, like you and I talked about this when Oz and Willow had that really tough fight in Wild at Heart, where you cannot just throw. But let's just say Buffy did make out with Dracula. Or had a little a minor bite sex with him. Uh, you cannot throw these past slights at your partner when you've chosen to continue being with them and not talk about the yeah, issue. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get a pass. Like even I know this, right? It's not like oh, your partner cheats, so then you get one no. for free. It's like no, it's you're allowed to be upset at them, but yes, you got to deal with that in a mature way. Yeah, you you don't just like not bring it up until after you've cheated back. And now you're talking about it. <laughs> We're cool, right? So now even Stevens, right? <laughs> like, no. Ooh. So Buffy says, I didn't let him. And <laughs> Riley's like, yeah, on some level, I know that. Oh, my God. But his head spun. So he wanted to know how Buffy felt. Why do Dracula and Angel have so much power over you? I wanted to get it, Buffy. I wanted to get you. And Buffy says, so this is my fault. And Riley says, this isn't your fault. It's mine. I feel like hell for what I put you through. It's just these girls. And Buffy's like, they're vampires, killers. And Riley says, they made him feel something he didn't know he was missing until. And Buffy doesn't want to hear it. She doesn't want to hear it, right? She tries to walk away. But Riley says, you need to hear it. And she's like, fine, tell me about your horse. Tell me what on earth they were giving you that I can't. And Riley says, they needed me. And Buffy says, they need your money. It wasn't about you. And Riley's like, no, on some basic level, it was about me, my blood, my body. When they bit me, it was beyond passion. They wanted to devour me, all of me. It wasn't real. I know it was just physical. But the fact that I craved it, that I kept going back, even if it was fleeting, they made me feel like they had such hunger for me. Buffy says, and I don't make you feel that way. And Riley says, nothing to that. So I think it is significant here that the vampires biting Riley are women, right? And I don't think you'd let a male vampire bite him because, you know, ha ha, no homo. <laughs> um, there, there is a sexual component to this, just to be clear, right? Oh, oh um, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I, I want to bring in one of the hot stakes we have from our listener, Stark, who uh, this is a hot stake about Shadow and about uh, the vampire Sandy who was... The, you know riley's first bite shall we say and everyone's favorite vampire sandy <laughs> um and we kind of touched on how it was very unfair that riley staked sandy right after she had bite sex with him but stark wanted to talk a little bit more about that angle 
So they say, uh, when Riley decides to take Sandy up on her offer to go somewhere quiet, the thing I find most horrifying is not the fact that he is cheating, but that he follows his consensual biting by staking her. I find that scene completely uncomfortable and terrifying, honestly, because we can understand Sandy to be a non-lethal vampire. One without a soul, but who has, like many of the denizens of Willie's, found a way to survive under the radar of the Slayer. Since vampire bites in this and many other instances on the show represent sex, Sandy is essentially a sex worker. Which was a, a comparison that you and I were, were making. They go on to say, she literally makes her living by non-lethally biting consenting clients. And Riley kills her because he's feeling insecure. And he knows that he can take this violent anger out on her without repercussion. This comes up again with another character later, but no spoilers. I find the whole storyline with the vampire sex workers really troubling, not so much in their existence, but in how they are dealt with by our heroes. Because the they are vamps, the show can conveniently sweep aside any examination of the ease with which sex workers are introduced and subsequently violently killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it, we, can, we can't lose sight of this fact here. While we're talking about the dynamics of Riley and Buffy's relationship and trying to apportion out, you know, who's at fault or how are they treating each other, I also just want to make sure we're not losing sight of the fact that, like, Riley's being basically, um, you know, paying sex workers and, and cheating on Buffy with sex workers. And to be clear, nothing wrong with using sex workers if that's what you want to do. But when you're cheating on your girlfriend with them, and then at least in the one case of Sandy, you're also hurting them because you think you can get away with it. Like, I want to sympathize with Riley here because I think he has legitimate grievances in his relationship. But all of his actions are brutal and disgusting. Yeah. And when we see the female vampire that was biting his arm later in the episode. She has this giant bruise on her face. Obviously, she's been abused. Um, we saw Riley violently throw her off him when she when he went after Buffy when she found him at that den. So I agree with you. I agree with you. We had sympathy for Riley. I, I expressed in the last couple episodes, like sometimes he, he does these things and I'm like, I get it. I get where he's coming from. I can sympathize to a point. But this episode wipes the sympathy away from me. It just completely wipes it away because um, not just Stark's really great hot stake there about his treatment of Sandy as a sex worker, but the way he treats the one that we saw him with here and um, yeah, just his lack of ability. I mean, it's hard because they're vampires. So that's the metaphor, right? That they're not real people, but <laughs> that's the parallel that people don't see sex workers as real people. The show is, yeah, the show is clearly established that vampires are, are like full people, right? Like mm -hmm. Spike, mm -hmm. Angel, mm -hmm. um, Drusilla, like all of these vampires, real people, um, harmony. <laughs> but you know, you're, yeah, you're right. It's they're sex workers, therefore they're disposable. Yeah. So we're uh, adding to the disappointment that is Riley in this episode, and really like nailing home why him and Buffy should not be together at all. Let's go back to this conversation that they're having here. At first, it would appear that Riley's doing the right thing and saying it's not your fault, it's mine. He doesn't say sorry. 
right? He never apologizes. Well, he's trying to reason with her. And this is like, my dude, what do you think is going to happen in this? Do you think she's going to turn around and say, oh, I'm I'm sorry, Riley. You're right. It makes total sense that you went and had bite sex with a bunch of vampires. Like, dude, dude, the only way out of this conversation is to apologize and grovel and say you're sorry so many times until you're blue in the face, even if you don't believe it. He doesn't. He's not a smart man. He doesn't. He justifies. In this very conversation here, we see him trying to justify his cheating, right? He, at first, he's like, this isn't, this isn't your fault. But, oh, my God, these girls, they bit me, and I felt passion, and you don't give me passion. They were just so... My secretary is just so hot, you know? <laughs> I couldn't keep it in my pants. Like, he can't help himself but make excuses. That's not Did apologizing. You see her fangs? So sexy. Like... <laughs> I'm just a red-blooded American male. Okay, Buffy? I'm just a boy. I'm just a little boy. (laughs) I'm just a baby. Boys will be boys. Oh, so Buffy says, how on earth can you compare me to that? How can you say you understand what these vampires are feeling? You weren't a passion to them. You were a snack, a willing, idiotic snack. And you used to be my snack. Yeah, I thought you were my snack two nights ago. Um, Riley says, I know exactly what you feel, what, what they feel when they're biting me, because I feel it every time we're together. The whole world falls away and all there is is you. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I have things to say. Buffy says, you don't think I feel that way about you? How dare you tell me how I feel? Yes, Buffy, these men have been telling you how you feel for a very long time. I'm sick of it. Riley says, you keep me at a distance, Buffy. You didn't even call me when your mom went to the hospital, you bitch. Okay, he didn't say you bitch, but that's the tone. And Buffy says, I'm sorry I couldn't take care of you when I thought my mother was dying. Yes, yes, Buffy, yes. Um, I'm so annoyed. So, Riley, I don't know what to tell you, okay? Because you're saying here how much you care about Buffy, but she didn't tell you about her mom dying or any of that stuff. And we talked about this earlier. Like, Buffy doesn't owe you a first-class ticket to her trauma, okay? Buffy tells you what she wants to tell you. And what he's doing here is he's condemning her for not loving him the way he wants to be loved, even though he's never told her these things. He's never told her what he needs from her. He expects it from her without having conversations. So when she doesn't live up to the kind of love that he wants to have, he gets he's upset, so he gets upset with her and then blames her for him cheating. So I think even like when he says the world falls away and all there is is you, Buffy had that kind of love when she was younger. She had that love with Angel and she learned from it. So it's okay for her in this stage of her life to not make you the center of her world. She has other things going on. She has a more stable life this way. But Riley doesn't. Well, I mean, Riley's allowed to feel the way he feels, right? Riley, if that's how Riley is experiencing his love for Buffy, that's valid. But he's mistaking his feelings for Buffy with Buffy's feelings for him. And that's very unfair, right? Like, your partner or significant other, people who are important to you, people whom you love, may not love you back in the same way. They may love you back, but their love for you could be different from your love for them. And if you can't handle that, and you're like, I can't be in a relationship, platonic, romantic, whatever, with that person, cool, that's fine. But 
I think part of being in relationships with people is accepting that their feelings for you don't have to be perfectly symmetric with your feelings for them. Yeah. So when they go on to have this longer conversation, he says, you know, it's about me taking care of you. It's about letting me in so that you don't have to be on top of everything all the time. And Buffy says, but I do. That's part of being the slayer. And that's what this really is about, isn't it? You can't handle the fact that I'm stronger than you. Yeah. So so I do want to comment on this line that Riley says, it's about me taking care of you. Let's unpack that for a moment. Mm. I think obviously one way to look at it is this is Riley's masculinity. He has been raised to be the man, the provider. No offense, Steph, but straight people sometimes are just so boring. <laughs> um, he's got to take care of Buffy because he's the man. Um, so there's obviously that. He's, he's dealing with his very like internalized, fragile male ego. On the other hand, this is the one moment where I felt like a really like strong twinge of sympathy for Riley because I know what it's like to need to be needed by people I love. I need to be needed by my favorite person. That's kind of how I express my love for her. And I want to take care of people in my life because I'm just, I'm a natural caregiver. So I can understand this need to have people let you in when they're going through stuff. And I can understand the pain he might feel when it feels like they're not letting you in. So in this moment, I was like, okay, Riley, I see what you're saying. I I can feel your pain. Not that I agree with how he's going about explaining it to Buffy or what he's done as a result. It's just, this this is the problem, right? Is it's like, of course, Buffy has acted in ways that were unfair towards Riley. But instead of having mature conversations about it, instead of recognizing that sometimes even when you need somebody to need you, they're not going to open up to you and you have to accept that because hello, they're another human being and that is their choice and you just have to live with it. Riley is throwing a temper tantrum because in this moment, instead of seeing Buffy as a fully realized human being, he sees her as this object that he calls girlfriend. And because she's not performing her role as girlfriend, in the way that meets his expectations, he thinks that she is a broken toy. And that's very unfair to Buffy. It's also really sad and unfair for Riley. And and I think this is what a lot of people who struggle to unlearn and unpack internalized misogyny and toxic masculinity have to grapple with as they undergo that journey. The most beautiful thing about loving another human being, platonic love, romantic love, whatever. The most beautiful thing is that ability to be vulnerable and to accept that this other person whom you love may not always live up to your expectations because they are human and humans surprise us and humans betray us and humans you know, don't always do what we expect them to do. But that's what makes it better than if they were a computer program or a stuffed animal or a toy or a storybook. True love of any form is beautiful because it is surprising and unexpected and dynamic. But poor Riley, because of his trauma, 
because of his upbringing, because, you know, and we don't know much about his upbringing, unfortunately. Poor Riley can't see past his pain. So I sympathize with him. I don't agree with him. But oh boy, this guy, this guy's got a lot going on. Yeah. Um, well said. That was very nice. When you say that you have sympathy for Riley, it's it's like it makes sense. And we've talked about that earlier in this episode, right? Like, yeah, there's sympathy there, but he's already cheated. <laughs> and that's where I get stuck, right? Where he's like, it's about me taking care of you. It's about all this stuff. Well, Riley, you should have talked to her about this. This is the conversation you should have had months ago before you do the hurtful thing, which is what Buffy's upset about now, which you still haven't apologized for. So Buffy says, what else do you want from me? I've given you everything that I have. I've given you my heart, my, my body, my soul. And Riley says, but I don't feel it. Like you say that, but I don't feel it. Uh... Yeah, I think at the end of the day with this conversation, for me, I just I get thrown back to Doom. When you and I watched Doom in season four and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed for this relationship. And I said to him there, I warned him, I said, I don't know, Riley, the lady doth protest too much, right? You're like, she's telling you. I don't want this. Like, this isn't something I'm interested in. Yes, she was scared, but she also knows herself. And she does care about Riley to the to the level that Riley needs, probably not enough. Fair enough, right? But it's like what you said earlier too, like his expectation of her is so high that she was never going to live up to that. And I, I truly believe it's because she's not 16 anymore. Like grow up, Riley. This is the kind of relationship that she always has offered you. So for you to get pissed off that she's not fulfilling that for you and to throw it on her and be like, I don't feel your love. So I'm going to cheat. <laughs> like, well, I'm sorry. Right. But this is, this is the problem, unfortunately created by our society where we raise straight cis men to grow up, to expect that they're going to acquire a wife. Right. And typically these men are socialized to believe, to not see women as full fleshed people. And I think your point about Buffy not being 16 anymore is spot on. It's like a lot of men come to expect they're going to get a physically, sexually mature woman, but with the kind of mental maturity of a child in the sense of like her needs and wants and desires will never come into conflict with his own. It's his life and his story, and she's just a supporting character in it, right? Yeah. And so when... When men are confronted with the fact that the women they're falling in love with and having sex with and getting married to have their own thoughts and desires and perhaps their own goals in their lives that may diverge from the men they're in relationships with, men freak the fuck out, right? Not all men, but too many, unfortunately, because of the expectations they grow up with. So that's what we're seeing with Riley here. Riley is bitter, that Buffy has her own life and also he doesn't have one of his. Yeah. And he's acting out in really inappropriate ways. And let's not forget the fact that he brought up Dracula. He brought up Angel. So it's it's all that on top of the fact that he really truly wishes that Buffy was pure. That she never had past relationships, yeah. especially with men who might be more badass than him. But, but, but Angel, bone, you boned him? You, you, you let him touch you before you met me? <laughs> like, like, come on, come you on. You didn't save so, yourself for me? 
So, okay, let's let's get to the rest of this. So Buffy says, whose fault is that? Yeah, Buffy. She's like, I'm telling you, this is it. This is me. This is the package. If it's so deficient that you need to get your kicks elsewhere, then we really have a problem. And Riley says, they want me back. Ugh. <laughs> He says, the military, it's deep undercover, no contact with civilians, transport's leaving tonight. But he's like, when were you going to tell me this? And he says, I'm telling you now. Yeah, after I spent five hours hanging out with Spike. So, oh, so it's an ultimatum. You're springing this on her at the last minute to try to force her to panic and think that she has to do something extreme to keep... This is fucking manipulative. This is fucking low, low-ass shit. So... Buffy says, "You so are you going to go? He says, if we can't work this out. Buffy says, then what? This is goodbye? You are unbelievable. Yes, he is, Buffy. He, she says, you're giving me an ultimatum? Riley denies it. Riley's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> she says, you are. You expect me to get over it now or you're gone. And I will not take the blame for this. And Riley grabs her and says, I'm not asking you to. But you are, Riley. Like, you're, you're, you're putting all of this responsibility for the future of your relationship on Buffy and her choice, but you're the one that cheated. <laughs> you're the one that needs to apologize. So here's the thing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think Riley expects her to react well to this. I think he's looking for an excuse to say, you're being unreasonable and that's why I'm leaving, right? Ugh. He needs to feel good about himself right here. Um, if he truly wanted to save their relationship, he would have told Graham to fuck off. And said, I'm sorry, I got to stay in Sunnydale and work on my relationship. I, if you truly want to save his relationship, he wouldn't have cheated in the first place. He wouldn't place. have cheated <laughs> and he wouldn't have hung out with Spike all day and he would have done a lot of things. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, like you are once again blaming Buffy for your shit choices. Just like in the Yokel Factor when he's like, I'm so in love with you, I can't think straight. Like, again, making it Buffy's problem. Like, you're the reason... This is happening. You're the reason I cheated. You're the reason I don't feel love. And I'm sorry, but like <laughs> the the ultimatum pissed me off so, so much because Buffy said at the beginning of this scene that she needs time, right? I don't want to talk about this right now. I need time. And what does he do? He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got half an hour. Like you got half an hour to make a decision about our relationship and hear everything that's been bothering me that you had no idea about to process the fact that I've been having, I've been letting vampires bite me, i.e. I've been cheating or paying for sex work. But yeah, you, if you could just make a decision real soon, it's, it's this is on you. It's all on you. She says, let go of me because he grabbed her again. He's like, or what? You'll hit me? Go ahead. Go on. Hit me. Hit me, Buffy. Hit me. And Buffy glares at him and then she walks around him and he says, I'm leaving, Buffy, unless you give me a reason to stay. I'm leaving tonight. Good. Go. Bye. Leave now. Bye. Why wait until today? And Buffy leaves. So when Buffy leaves, I think we're supposed to think that that's like super cold of her. Like that she just leaves. She's such a bitch. <laughs> wow. What a bitch. He just told her that she doesn't love him and he, she doesn't love him. She just leaves. Um, excuse you. Excuse you. I think that Buffy walking away from Riley saying, hit me is much better than being abusive. <laughs> I'm sorry, show. Um, maybe that's just me. But isn't it so interesting that both, again, that parallel between Riley and Spike in Fool for Love, Spike was also begging Buffy to punch him, right? Make me feel worthy. Make me feel some passion. Give me like, you know, give me something. So here's Riley doing the same exact fucking thing. Well, Riley wants to implicate Buffy, right? He's he's like, I need you to be as bad as I've been in this relationship. Yeah, well, he's like, I want you to punish me in some way. I want you to care, I, I would assume. 
But the point is, is like, what are you doing, my guy? Like, you give her an ultimatum and then you tell her to punch you? Okay. (sighs) Well, let's go on to a scene that's also incredibly disappointing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Buffy is walking down an alley and she is suddenly surrounded by, I'm going to say a posse of vampires. I love that word. They're led by the guy whose flop house she burned down. They want revenge. He says... You're not going to make it through the night. (laughs) And I'm having like flashbacks to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer games that I was playing on Twitch. Um, And and for anybody who's who's listening, who who doesn't follow our social media, I streamed twice on Twitch. And if you go to our Prophecy Girls Discord, you'll see there's links to a YouTube playlist so you can watch my two streams. I'll stream again at some point in the future when I have time. I was playing the Buffy video games. And and this scene is like right out of those games where it's like vampires surround Buffy and come at her and she just like punches them and punches them and punches them and they <laughs> utter like these awful one-liners. They're so confident. They're overconfident. And Buffy's just like punch, 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 <laughs> kick, punch. Um, I, I compared the, this vampire. I said he must be a disciple of Toth. Remember Toth from <laughs> The Replacement? How could I forget Toth? But like I... I have more sympathy for Toth than Riley at this point. Oh, absolutely. Um, But these guys worked for Toth because they're also not planning their strategy very well. They just kind of show up. At least least they tried strength in numbers. They tried strength in numbers. They just didn't have enough numbers. But my thing was like, he was so worried. He's like, you brought the Slayer here? It's like, well, you also don't have to attack her. You could just hide from her. (laughs) You also also don't have to run a flop house in Sunnydale. Yeah, there's so many things where it's like, you're... You know, this is on you, <laughs> vampire. So it's true, though. Buffy Buffy says, walk away. I'm serious. Like, I'm in a bad mood. Don't do this. Uh, they all attack her at once. And it doesn't matter how many people they have because Buffy takes them all out. One of them's actually holding a very handy wooden stake for her. Yes, I noticed that. Like, he, well, he comes at her with this long wooden, I don't know if it was like a pole or something ripped from a crate. Yeah. And it's like... It's like, why would you attack her with the one material that you know can harm you? Why not find metal or plastic like my dude? With her most valuable weapon, <laughs> you know? So, so Buffy takes them out, literally, like six of them within five seconds. It's so good. Yeah, I love it. The leader dives over her. She gets this, this is not the part of the scene I meant was disappointing, by the way. It's the next No, this part. is awesome. We needed this. Uh, the last, okay, but the last one is the girl who was given Riley the suck job earlier this episode. Oh. Buffy acts like she's going to let her go. She's like, oh, okay. So the vampire runs away and Buffy changes her mind and she chucks that giant stake and dusts her. Again, this we've talked about this girl a little bit already, the vampire. Um, she's got bruises on her face. She's incredibly thin. Clearly she's been abused. She's made to look like a victim, right? She looks like somebody you would pity. So when Buffy lets her go originally, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty up, you know, pretty on standard for Buffy. But then when she ends up killing her anyway, I thought that was out of character for her. I get that she's supposed to be angry. She's supposed to be a bitch right now. She's like, ooh, that that Riley makes me so mad. I'm going to kill this girl because she's the one. But um, Buffy shows so much sympathy to vampires that don't deserve it. Not that this vampire deserves it, but I just feel like it was just out of character for her to have sympathy, but then let her anger overtake her. Yeah, this is a tough one for exactly the reasons you articulated. Like, she's a vampire. Buffy kills vampires. It's her job title. This vampire has likely killed people, probably deserves it. 
But at the same time, Spike's killed a lot more people. Yeah. He's still alive or undead or whatever. Spike's sneaking into her um, basement when her mom's in surgery. Yeah. I think this is, I, I, I think where I come down on this is this is just another example of how, A, the show's fumbling attempts to portray serious things like sex work often come into conflict with its attempts to explore supernatural and metaphysical questions of of morality and good and evil right like if this girl were human and a sex worker and buffy did something violent or helped her be uh, arrested or whatever that would be really bad the fact that she's a vampire we're supposed to conclude she's evil and soulless and therefore deserves what she gets but then that complicates the sex worker narrative i also think this scene really demonstrates how Buffy herself is foul, right? Yes, she is the vampire slayer, but she struggles sometimes to make decisions about what is right or what is just in a situation. And I, I think that's really interesting, but I agree with you. It's a This is a problematic moment. Well, it's tough because, you know, Riley's begging her, Riley and Spike, I guess, the last couple episodes, been begging her to punch them and hurt them. And she won't, but she has no problem taking out this very sympathetic looking vampire and like yeah it's complicated don't worry because xander's here great (laughs) that's about how i feel okay let's get this why were you following her what was he doing this entire time because he told Anya to go somewhere (laughs) when xander's at his most self-righteous he follows Buffy around. He pops up like um, season yes, two. This is Xander peak end of season two. I fucking oh, told you so. Buffy. When he waited in the fucking woods for her to pass by the mansion. And he's like, there she is. And then he runs out. Same thing here. He was just wandering the alleyways. He's probably at the fishbowl for a bit <laughs> waiting for her to show up. And there she is. So yeah, Xander comes out of nowhere. He's like, feel better. I thought you might need to talk. Then I saw some scrimmage happening. And Buffy tells him to go home. And he says, you're acting like a crazy person. I was like, wow, Kara, what a great friend. Fuck off, Xander. What a supportive man, right? So Buffy walks away from him. Buffy, this is funny. Buffy walks into a warehouse and just stands in there. And I was like, what is this place? (laughs) Well, she's waiting for the rest of the level to load. Mm, I see. So Xander says, you can't deal, so you hide. Not very Slayer-like. Shut the fuck up. You patronizing piece of shit. This has nothing to do with her being the Slayer. She's a 19-year-old girl whose mom just went through a cancer scare. <sighs> and her boyfriend is in the process of like cheating on her and they're breaking up. And th- this is what you're doing with your time, <sighs> Xander? I'm I'm thrown back to season two and three. Isn't that right? You, you had a choice, Xander. It, it's this or the chimp movie. And you chose this. So Buffy tells him to leave her alone. He has no idea. Like, she, you, know, you don't have any idea what's going on. And Xander says, so you and Riley aren't imploding. And what I can't figure out is how you never saw it coming. <laughs> so Buffy asks who told him. And, Ra- and Xander says, it's right in front of my Xander face. The guy would do anything for you. And I was like, Xander, you don't know that Riley just gave her an ultimatum. The, the cell, ooh, the self-righteousness of him right now. Like the fact that he, like, once again, thinks that he knows everything, that he's that what he's feeling is correct, that his way of looking at everything is the better way. This hasn't changed since season three. I'm shot back to Revelations when he met up with Faith, right? Like, ooh, 
So Buffy says, the guy got himself a bit by a vampire. He lied to me. He ran around behind my back and almost got himself killed. And now he's telling me he's leaving with some covert operation at midnight, unless I convince him not to. Tell me that you understand because I sure as hell don't. And Xander says, are you going to let him go? Uh, Xander, did you not just hear what she said? He's a liar and a cheater. She has every right to be pissed <laughs> right now. <gasps> Buffy says, it's not her decision to make it. It's not fair. Yes, it's not fair, Buffy. And Xander says, who cares if it's not fair? In about 20 minutes, Riley's going to disappear forever unless you do something to stop him. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, what a conflict. <laughs> a big loss. Jeez, <laughs> better go. Um, Buffy says, what am I supposed to do? Beg him to stay? I don't even know who he is anymore. I thought he was dependable. Maybe you should offer him a sex job. <laughs> Buffy, less caring about your dying mother and more suck jobs, please. Um, <laughs> Xander's, that's what Xander's saying. Xander says, I think you mean convenient. You took him for granted that he would show up when you wanted him to and take off when you didn't. Xander, <laughs> car, I can't, I can't. Xander, Buffy <laughs> was dealing with her mom's brain tumor. Whose friend are you? Are you Buffy's or are you Riley's? Because it sounds like you only care about Riley. You and Riley are bros now. Ugh. Like, where's Willow? It's, what? Willow would be here being like, I guess you should let him go. <laughs> like, Willow would be like, do you want me to give him a curse to shrivel up his penis? Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Give him a real haunted dick to worry about? So... <laughs> Buffy turns this around on Xander and Anya, right? And Xander's like, "That's this is not about me. If you don't want to hear what I want to say, then I'll shut up. Yeah, good. <laughs> and <laughs> Could Buffy's, you have shut up like five minutes ago? And Buffy says, good, because I don't. And Xander oh. says, I lied. <laughs> Lies. He says, you got burned with Angel. Then Riley showed up. Oh, Xander, your fucking favorite subject. Angel, there thanks he is. For, thanks for recapping the past three seasons, Xander. God. And like Xander says, you missed the point of like that whole situation. Buffy missed the point of her own life, Car, Are you hearing this? <laughs> <laughs> but Xander knows it. Xander knows. So Xander says, you shut down, Buffy. You've been treating Riley like the rebound guy, but he's the one who comes along once in a lifetime. Thank God for that. I don't think we could stand a second Riley. I fucking hope so um <laughs> he's never held back with you he's risked everything and you're gonna let him fly because you don't like ultimatums yeah Xander. yes because yes. ultimatums are manipulative and toxic and a sign of an abusive relationship sander what the fuck is wrong <sighs> with you oh no he says if he's not the guy it's if what he needs from you it just isn't there let him go that's what she's doing um <sighs> break his heart and make him make it a clean break yes that's what's going on here, Xander. You can just stop it. You can just go away. No, no, no. Riley should take Xander with him. <laughs> Xander, do you want to go with Riley? You can go be army guy too, Xander. We're, we're, we're losing it because it's so stupid. We're it, having a meltdown here. Because I, I can't. So, so Xander says, but if you really think you can love this guy, I'm talking scary. No emotions barred. Need. If you're... Ready for that? Think about what you're about to lose. <laughs> nothing. You're losing nothing. Is he implying when he says that <laughs> Riley's a once in a lifetime guy? Is he implying that Buffy will never 
again meet another guy that will be nice and devoted to her. <laughs> Even though Riley cheated. <laughs> what in the hell? Okay. Just finish the scene, please. Just finish okay. the scene. No, I, I just need to say that the once-in-a-lifetime guy was Angel. <laughs> he was a vampire with a soul who came back from hell. I thought it was Scott Hope. Who? <laughs> It, so it's just the, but because but because Xander like uplifts Riley in in Xander's mind Riley is the ultimate guy he's masculine he's a soldier Xander's only been soldier for one night right so Riley actually is one uh he's cool he was saying in fool for love how much he thought like Riley was admirable Xander just because you can't be with Buffy doesn't mean that Riley's the one for Buffy Xander you can be with Riley he's single now you can go and be with him but like that's what i mean all i see is xander comparing himself to riley and then making a case that buffy should be with riley that's all i see buffy should be with xander right yeah well he's like he's still not over he's like this is so classic buffy overseeing the nice guy like we're just right here waiting the wings and she never sees us that's really that i've never thought about it that way but you're i think yeah i think xander has transferred his crush on buffy to riley in the sense yes. of like he sees Riley as his proc. You're right. Interesting. Yeah. That's why I get so pissed off because the like when he's saying this, he's a once in a lifetime guy. Like Xander, I know you're really trying to make a case for yourself. What does that even mean? I don't know because I'm pretty sure there are 50 million Rileys running around in the army right now, <laughs> off to Belize. Okay. So- <laughs> Finish the scene because I got one more comment about this. Okay, Buffy is in tears. Buffy listened to this and she's in tears. And she's like, do I love him? Like in her mind. And Xander says, run. And run, Buffy does like Forrest Gump down that road. this is supposed to be the like airport running scene. Yes, absolutely. The music, the way we see Riley waiting for her by the helicopter. (laughs) I, I can't even with Xander. I hate, and, and we'll come back to this. A long way down the road. I hate how Joss Whedon sets up his self-insert character to be the wise guy who helps Buffy or other characters see the light. Ugh. Her come to Jesus moment? Yeah. Like, like I, I get, I, I completely understand metaphorically what is happening here, right? Xander... Because he is the closest to being a, you know, like a normal mortal human, you know, he has no magic, he has no abilities. He's the he's just a guy, you know. He can build shelves. Yeah, he builds shelves. He's really good at that. Um he's just this guy. And so he's supposed to have this special power of I don't know, being the heart or whatever of of the group. The eye. Uh literally that was his role in the spell. Mm-hmm. But it's so fucking twisted. Because for all the reasons we just pointed out earlier, so I don't have to get back into that, but I just, I hate how the show is like trying so hard to make us like Xander as this role. And I'm not here for it. And I, I just, I think when I was younger, I was, I think, I think I've said before, like I used to identify with Xander, especially because I thought I was a man and Xander to me was this nice guy that I was supposed to be and I was smart. But, you know, it's, but it's like, no, like, oh, 
here I am in my 30s and I'm looking at this and I'm like, Xander, you are the fucking worst. <laughs> <sighs> wow. It's been a while since we've had a good Xander slander moment. Steph. I know. I fucking love it. And that's the thing too, because Xander dropping all the truth bombs, like why can't this ever just be Willow who obviously would be way more better at this? You know, like she would actually be aware. When I'm, when I'm saying that it's not fair that it's Xander is because he's taking Riley's side. Xander, you're Buffy's friend. You're Buffy's sidekick. Don't make her chase this cheater. Yeah, he's telling Buffy it's her job to fix all of this. Yeah. He's like, it's your fault. You're the one that pushed her away. Fuck you. No, she didn't. Her- you're not worthy of him. I wish I could be with him. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Buffy is running down the street. <laughs> you say faster than when she was chasing the Cobra Demon. You know what I thought of? I Because it's... I don't remember if this is in slow motion. I thought of the sequence where she's wearing that bomb-ass long blue coat in season two. Oh, becoming part one. Yes. She is running to the school after Angel Trichter, or Angelus Trichter, right? Yeah. That's what I thought of. She's, like, running, but it's going to be too late. Riley is waiting by a helicopter in a park for some reason. (laughs) But no one specified, like, how does Buffy know? I think he just walked around until he heard a helicopter. Well, it's so small in Sunnydale, so she heard them. <laughs> so Buffy is running the five miles or whatever. Because <laughs> you see my note, I was like, maybe it's in a rugs field, so she had to run five miles in fifteen minutes. So the helicopter starts up. Buffy's running. Riley stands there. Cut back to Buffy's running. Looks up. Hopefully, is it Buffy? No. <laughs> Riley gets into the helicopter. It's taking off, and just as Buffy shows up, and she's shouting, but of course, nobody can hear her over the sound of the helicopter. She's like, Riley! Riley! You can see her mouth moving, but Riley, of course, is not looking down, because why would he look back? So he's not seeing... So this is supposed to be so sad and tragic, and we're all supposed to be bawling our eyes out because they've missed each other. Buffy was going to beg him to come back. If only he'd looked down. I'm cold right now, Steph. Mm. I don't fucking... I think this is the most insipid ending to this episode. I know there's one more scene coming after this, but, like, I don't care. (laughs) Go away, Riley. You have burned all your bridges with me. Leave. Good riddance. Goodbye. Goodbye. We're never going to see you again. Bye. Okay. They missed a golden opportunity for Graham to be shown like waving at Buffy. (laughs) Bye, Buffy. (laughs) I mean, for all we know, he saw it. He didn't say anything. I'm like, what was going to happen? Like if Riley did see Buffy, was he going to be like, stop the helicopter? They're going to be like, oh, yeah, fine. Like. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Would he jump out of the helicopter? I, oh, I would I would love for him to jump out and go splat. <laughs> you know what I really wish? And I think it's a missed opportunity. I wish that Buffy had met up with him and he thinks that she's going she's gonna to ask him to stay. But she says, Xander just said a bunch of fucking bullshit. And I wanted you to know that I'm better than you. I don't deserve your cheating bullshit. So go <laughs> to Belize. Enjoy yourself. Have a great life. Peace. Like, I think that's what <sighs> she should have said. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't she's she missed him car she's sad about it she's walking down the street sad we know that's that's what she's feeling we're supposed to care obviously we're supposed to care that she missed him right that she didn't get a chance to tell him how she really felt even though i think we all know how she really feels she's got caught up in xander's bullshit we cut to anya's apartment and i thought she lived with xander 
but clearly she still has her own place. Xander says, I got to say something because I don't think I've made it clear. I'm in love with you, powerfully, painfully in love. The things you do, the way you think, the way you move. I get excited every time I'm with you. I'm about to see you. You make me feel like I've never felt before in my life, like a man. I just thought you might want to know. And Anya kisses him. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy for Anya in this scene. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anya deserves this from Xander, but she deserves better because she deserves this all the time from the beginning of the relationship. Yes. I think we're supposed to see this as a romantic of like romantic thing of like there's the the contrast with Buffy losing Riley or whatever and now Xander's like realizing what he has with Anya and it's like you don't deserve Anya. Um about time. Anya should have been getting this from the beginning. This is not romantic. This is Xander being pathetic and and I mean I hope for their sake that this is a turning point and he starts to treat her better. I am not optimistic. What I don't like about it is that Xander gets to use Buffy as a poor example and gets to fix his relationship and once again gets the moral ground here, right? Like, oh, Buffy fucked that up. I'm not going to fuck it. I'm going to learn from what she it's did. because Xander is the true hero of this series. <sighs> so Xander gets love and Buffy again ends up with nothing. I think she was going to be okay with that, but then he snuck in there and made her feel bad about it. And then he's like, well, my work here is done. I guess I'll go tell my girlfriend uh, of a year and a half that I love her. And she's going to kiss me and I'm a hero. Okay. Okay. So the very last shot is Buffy sitting sadly on her stairs, devastated. And then we see Riley flying away in the helicopter. Um, The only way they could have botched this ending any differently would be if Spike just showed up and sat with Buffy on the stairs. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, but the sadness of Buffy, I'm sorry, it's just not earned. The roughy relationship is not enough for me to care no, about no, him leaving. I don't care. I think it makes sense that Buffy's sad, right? Because this has be, this has been the second most significant romantic relationship in her life at, at, up until yeah. now. No, no. Buffy can be sad. I'm not yeah. sad. <laughs> right. That, yes. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is I think yeah. her being sad in this moment makes total sense. Um, don't worry, Buffy. You'll get over it. If I were to sum up Ruffy right now, I would say, yep, that's just two young people who made a lot of mistakes, mostly on his side. Um, I need to compare Riley to Angel right now. I do. Because remember in season three, Lovers Walk, right? Spike is saying, love isn't brains, children, it's blood. And we disagreed with him, right? Love is brains a lot of the time. And I think Angel proved that when he let Buffy go, right? He used his brain. He didn't follow his heart. He said, you deserve better than me. I'm going to leave. Clearly, Spike and Riley seem to think along the same lines, right? Like, love is blood. Love is what you feel and like what you show me and like it's all consuming. And that's immature. So I think a lot of people, I've read in the fandom, I've read um, comments on our TikToks and social media and everything, but people say that Riley is probably the best boyfriend for Buffy because he's I, I'm assuming because he's human and she got a couple experiences with him and overall he's good for her. But now that you and I have watched 4.5 seasons of the show and we just saw the breakdown and the final <laughs> nail in the coffin, which was Riley and Buffy. I don't agree. I don't think that Riley is the best guy for Buffy. I think if we were to compare the two boyfriends together, yep, Angel and Buffy had a lot of trauma, obviously, especially in season two. 
But when we what we saw in season three between Buffy and Angel was more mature, more emotionally fulfilling, and more uplifting for Buffy than what we saw with Buffy and Riley. Um, hmm. I'm sympathetic to the whole idea of like Riley was right for Buffy for a time, you know, back when she was in season four, but they've grown apart. <laughs> and my problem with Riley, as I've said before, is the writers never gave him enough character development for us to truly understand his backstory. I think the writers do Riley and Ruffy a disservice compared to Angel. I, I see it as more of this fluid thing where it's like Angel was good for Buffy for a time. Riley was good for Buffy for a time. But I'm also, when I when I look at it from this meta perspective, I'm just like, oh, damn. Like, the show worked really hard to turn Riley toxic, I think is what I'm trying to say. And, yeah, no, and it no, didn't I'm... have to do that. But I think they're trying to explore how at this stage in your life where you're transitioning from high school to college, and especially if you have trauma happening like illness in a, fa in a family member, it's very challenging for young people to maintain strong relationships like this because the stress of everything that's going on combined with a lack of lived experience to fall back on it really exacerbates any fractures that exist within the relationship. And those fractures have existed within Ruffy since the faith incident. Yeah, I agree with you. And um, I'm not saying that this is all like, let's say like Ruffy's fault, because obviously the writers had a completely different storyline to play with Riley than they did with the Angel and Buffy relationship. I just think that we see so many red flags with Riley starting from the cheating incident and into season five that when I compare the two relationships together and what was more beneficial to Buffy at the end of the day, she definitely needs a guy that does not blame her for him feeling insecure and alone. Like that was really, really hard to watch this season. I really hope that <laughs> that uh, moving forward, Buffy learns something from this relationship as well. You know, I don't, I don't remember what comes after this, but I hope she grieves the relationship and I hope she learns from it the way she learned from her past relationship. And I hope she doesn't jump into another one. I also want to say that at the end of the day, I don't think Riley was really a rebound boyfriend. Like I think they treated him like that in the show, but Buffy did give him a lot of her time. She didn't want to get with him. She, like rebound is like Parker. It's like, it's like, you know, Scott mm -hmm. Hope, that, that guy, like those are rebound guys who really mean nothing at all. But Riley, she actually did give her time and effort into, even though she originally didn't want to. If she, if he was actually truly a rebound, she would have, you know, been with him and ditched him just like the other two. Or well, I guess those other two, like Buffy's never dumped anybody. <laughs> like those guys always dump her. But um, I, I see Riley as more of a significant relationship than a rebound. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know where I stand on that. I'm not sure I have enough experience of this stuff to really comment. So I appreciate you sharing your insights. Uh, who's your who's hero? Your hero? <laughs> oh my god. It's Xander, obviously. <laughs> Xander's the hero. Um, Joyce. Way to get out of way way to get oh, out of that surgery, Joyce. You're strong. That's a good one. I don't know. Oh, who's my hero? Is it Spike? Wait, what? <laughs> For his voyeurism? This is a tough episode. I, I'd like to say I didn't come up with Joyce, so I'm jealous of you for coming up with Joyce. I'd like to piggyback on that. I had a really hard time. I don't I don't know. Buffy for just holding it all together. But I think Joyce is a really good choice. 
na 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 hey 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 <sighs> goodbye i'm so happy he left it's time throw the whole man away i know they really did him dirty though <laughs> at the end of the day they did riley real dirty let's talk about into the woods we had a we had a couple of hot stakes that came in we've already read one from stark uh here's another one from frankie the first vampire that Riley killed is his weird is his weird cheating arc with Sandy, the girl that Vamp Willow killed. I've got a lot of feelings about this arc. It's so odd, it's kind of cheating, but I've always read it as less as a sexual or romantic thing and more as a fundamental betrayal of both of their values. I'm also always annoyed that Xander's take on the situation, he treats it as if it, it's the ultimatum that Buffy dislikes as opposed to the fact that he's cheating on her. Yep, Frankie, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Boom. Zoe says, uh, you guys once asked if anyone enjoyed the sex scenes between Riley and Buffy, and I just wanted to send you my vote. <laughs> did we? Did you do a poll on this on Instagram? Did did I? <laughs> uh, Zoe says, the Ruffy sex scene is gross and deeply disturbing, does not seem enjoyable. Thank you for agreeing with me, Zoe. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think Riley knows where everything is, if you know what I mean. No. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Uh, Buffy's face in that scene just looks scared to me. Yes, thank you. That's because his dick is haunting her. <laughs> right? <laughs> also, like, we didn't get to see... We saw Buffy's sex face, but we didn't get to see Riley's fish face one last time. It just, the whole like the way he's on top of her just looks so uncomfortable. Like She looks uncomfortable. I don't... Yeah. Do you like it? Is this good? <laughs> no, I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, our last hot stake for tonight is from uh, Jana, who wrote it about Shadow and says, I would love to offer a funniest story. When I was diagnosed with a brain tumor, not a glioma, and mine is very operable, one of the things they asked me about was my cell phone usage. This was just 2012, not yesterday, but not too long ago. I have no idea what they did with the questionnaire afterwards, and I definitely was only absorbing partial information in the first few months following my diagnosis. But there are definitely those ridiculous questions that are asked after a brain tumor diagnosis. Maybe it wasn't a funny story, but anyway, I thought I would share it. Do you, <laughs> yeah. Do you still have your tumor? <laughs> you didn't follow up with the important part. You said it's very operable, but you're saying is like you still have it. I hope you're okay. Like clearly you're still alive because you're writing in, Jenna. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I hope you're doing well. Please let us know. Imagine, because Jenna said it was a, it's a funny story. She was like, I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And you and I were just like, ha, ha, ha. Like, Hilarious. Hilarious. Um, we hope you're okay, yeah. Jenna. <laughs> Finally, I want to give a small shout out to Sarah and a few other of our listeners who wrote in to take issue with how I said uh, punk rock 70s spike didn't have a good look going on. Because I did ask for this. I did ask people to come at me the way they've been coming at you, Steph. So I appreciate that you have heeded my call, listeners. I'll take that feedback on board. Thank you for calling me out for having an opinion that you did not like. <laughs> yeah, I'll make a salty TikTok or something. Just you wait. What Didn't you say that uh, you power up every time someone disagrees? <laughs> so. Well, I feel like that's what you do, Steph. You like drink their disagreement and you grow oh, stronger. Yeah. It's it's definitely like it's a suck job for me. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Let's thank our chosen ones. <laughs> Thank you to all of our supporters, especially our chosen ones, who continue to send us money despite 
this. <laughs> Enjoy another two-hour episode, people. Let's also create a whole new buy me a coffee section for our suck job people. Oh my god. <laughs> I am looking for your maternity leave replacement already, Seth. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Thank you, Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Lena, Julian, Nicola, Luis. <laughs> Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. Ah, uh, we love these long episodes, don't we? Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you next week, and goodbye, Riley Finn. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week